Hey, everybody, Elizabeth here. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to make sure that you know registration is currently open for our Spring Strong Foundations cohort. Strong Foundations is a five-week strength building program brought to you by me and Morgan Bungers. Coach Morgan Bungers is one of the best, most effective strength training coaches in this country. He has worked with some of the most elite athletes in the world, and now he specializes working with people in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s who want everyday strength. And this is not about being able to push your suitcase into the overhead compartment on an airplane. We need to be consistently and effectively strength training if we want to maintain the strength of our immune system. Muscle is a critical part of our immune system. And if we are not actively maintaining our strength, we are losing it as we age. And that means we are losing the strength of our immune system. It's also a significant component of our overall metabolism, especially our carbohydrate metabolism. Muscle mass plays a huge role in energy, in mood, mental health, bone health, so many different things. This is just not optional, but a lot of us don't do it because we aren't sure what to do. We aren't sure what not to do. We aren't sure if we're moving well. We don't know how to accommodate for our physical limitations or our current level of fitness, and that is why you need a coach and you'd be hard-pressed to find one better than Morgan Bungers. Now, here's the thing about fitness programs. I've experienced this. My mom, who's in her 70s, has experienced this, where you buy a fitness program and then you're like, okay, but I I can't do that workout because I'm not fit enough or I don't have enough balance or I don't have that equipment or that hurts my knees or it hurts my back. And then you're sort of just left to figure it out yourself, which means we often don't do anything. The great thing about Strong Foundations is that Morgan and I are part of it every single day and you have an unlimited ability to ask us questions in a group setting or via direct message so that Morgan can help you scale for you, for whatever equipment you have, for the time that you have, for your fitness level, for your body and your physical limitations. Five weeks, there's two different tiers. There's a beginner intermediate tier. There's an intermediate advanced tier. The testimonials that we have received from our previous clients will blow your mind. You can check them out and also register for your spot by going to primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. If you are an alum, if you have been through strong foundations before, I've already emailed you a renewal link with a special renewal rate. So please use that. If you don't see that email, let me know. For the rest of you, primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. We start on May 13th. So grab your spot now. You will have these workouts for life. Four workouts a week for five weeks, two different tiers. So you've got 40 workouts total. Plus, there is a five-part series on your pelvic floor. That is an incredibly important part of your physical fitness, of your strength, of your core strength, of your overall health, of your ability to maintain functional mobility as you get older. We want you to be a part of this. You will not regret joining the Strong Foundations cohort. It is an incredible community. 
everybody needs to be consistently and effectively strength training. And if you're not, it's probably because you don't know how to make it work for you. And it can be made to work for you. It needs to be made to work for you. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation to register now. Let's get into the episode. This is Primal Potential, and I am your host, Elizabeth Benton. Through education, motivation, and implementation, we will bridge the gap between knowing and doing so we can master fat loss naturally and help you reach your highest potential. Let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. If my voice sounds deeper than normal, it is because it is. It is because it is a little bit earlier in the day than I normally record. And that is because I did not intend to do this episode, but it was really screaming at me this morning uh, and overnight last night. And It just feels like the right thing to do. And so here we are before I change my mind. I want to get personal with you and give more insight into some of my struggles than I have in the past. And I will first say, I know there are many of you who sometimes listen to the show in the car with your kids. This might be a show where you maybe don't listen in front of the kids unless you think they're old enough. So I I would just ask that you listen through first before making that decision. I want to talk today about binging. And I want to talk about the things about binging that most people don't talk about. I mean, a lot of people, myself included, talk about how to stop a binge or how to get back on track after a binge. And I'm not saying that's not valuable. I actually think it is. But what I think might be more valuable, and this is just my very early morning opinion, is the stuff that people don't talk about related to binging. The stuff that people are embarrassed by. The stuff that I'm ashamed to admit in some cases but is a very prominent and familiar part of my past and a, an important part of my journey and where I am now. And if you're wondering why I'm doing this episode, is this some sort of like Dear Diary post? It's, it's absolutely not. There are three reasons, really, that I'm doing this episode. One is that life is really hard sometimes, really, really hard and sometimes lonely And this is especially true when there is a part of life that we're ashamed of. So I hope that by sharing some of my most shameful stories, you will know and trust that you can share yours with me and they're safe with me and I'm here to support you and never to judge you. Another reason is it just, it came to me and it feels right. And I'm one of those people that even if it feels uncomfortable, If it feels right and I can say, I think this might help somebody, I'm going to do it. And I feel like this might help somebody, so I'm going to do it. And then lastly, and maybe most importantly, is to give you hope. Because I was very hopeless for a long time. And I didn't think that I could change. And I was really, really messed up. 
I dealt with my emotions in extremely destructive ways and food was really a drug to me. I was so addicted to using it and coping through food and numbing through food that I could not imagine ever overcoming it without like serious inpatient therapy that just wasn't a reality for my life. But I did overcome it. I did. And while in some cases the past is still a very fresh memory and probably always will be, I also want to share how I deal with similar urges now. So the biggest reason for this episode is hope. No matter how destructive your food habits, no matter how embarrassed you are, no matter how low of a point you're at in your life, change is possible for you. And if you can't believe that for yourself right now, I will believe that for you. Now, if this episode isn't your thing, if you've never binged and you don't understand it, that's okay. You can either skip this one or if you choose to listen, I ask that you do so with a gentle heart. I'm not a weirdo. Maybe. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) As soon as I said that, I was like, wait, is that true? Maybe not. But if you can't imagine doing some of the things that I'm going to share that I've done, that's okay. This isn't everybody's path, but it's mine. And I know from the scared, hopeless emails that I get and from the scared, hopeless emails that I don't get, that I've yet to receive, that binging is a real struggle for many people. And I want to share my story for the sake of hope. I want to let you inside a binge. I want to lay all my dirty secrets on the table, partly again to say I understand, but also in a bigger way to help you identify these internal debates and the lies that we tell ourselves, because when we name them, instead of just operating blindly the way we're used to operating, we reduce the power of the way we talk ourselves into this behavior. So I'm going to share the ways that I binged, the ways I thought about binging, the habits, the behaviors, and then I want to take you through to today. What I do when those urges come up and how I got to where I am now, feeling much more in control of my food and my emotions. So my heart is open. I hope yours is too. Binges were sort of strange for me in a way, because they started in a way that I think to most people probably don't make a lot of sense, because they usually started with pretty intense self-disgust, hating myself or my body. And sometimes this was a, a literal and physical thing, like a depressing shopping trip where nothing fit that really got me feeling very down, or a glance at myself as I walk past a mirror to be shocked that it's actually me and the way, you know, my belly is spilling over my hips or the way I have a double or a triple chin, right? Maybe seeing a picture of myself and feeling gut-punched by the reality of how other people saw me. But it wasn't always physical self-disgust based on my body or my shape. Sometimes it was emotional, feeling very lonely, plus both unloved and unlovable, a pretty tough combination that was intensely familiar. And again, understanding these triggers has been so valuable to me 
throughout my emotional and mental and physical transformation. But what binging provided to me was an escape from these feelings. Let me just, I mean, I used to tell myself that binging made me feel better. It did not make me feel better. It did not make me feel until afterwards. But it was a distraction. It was a way of escaping whatever uncomfortable reality I did not want to face. My body, my relationships, my fears, my insecurities, but it did not help. It was a drug. And I know that to many people it might seem very strange that looking in the mirror and thinking, you are disgustingly fat, could trigger a food binge instead of like a trip to the salad bar. But here's why. Because when I would have those moments of intense self-disgust or that feeling of you are both unloved and unlovable, I would immediately give myself a very harsh lecture. No more BS, Elizabeth. No more treating your body like a garbage disposal. You are so disgusting. You will be perpetually alone unless you change. So seriously, starting tomorrow, you're going to like go super strict. You're going to have maybe one meal a day, or maybe you're going to have no more than 400 calories a day, or you are only going to do chicken and broccoli. No snacking, no sugar, no nothing. I don't care if it sucks. You deserve for it to suck starting tomorrow. So of course, what did that leave on the table for today? Okay, fat slob, get yourself to the grocery store for your last supper, which was really suppers, snacks, desserts, and encore, right? So it was like the supersized version of the old I'll start tomorrow argument. It was a lie. It was a well-meaning lie, but a lie nonetheless. Now, it's interesting about this moment when I would essentially give myself permission to binge. The moment that I made that decision, something shifted in my brain chemistry. And though I've never used cocaine or heroin, the only way that I know how to describe it is like if you give a drug addict $20 and they immediately know that now they have the means to go score, everything starts going faster and you get this intense sense of anticipation, but also urgency. And it's, it's, it's like a stimulant, but you haven't taken anything. For me, the decision to binge made everything go faster, made me get warm, like physically my body would get warm and I would get excited. And it, my thoughts would start to go really fast. What will I get? Where will I get it? Where will I eat it? What if I still want more? What do I really want most? What else can I get? In what order do I eat it? And it was this really kind of crazy energy. But in hindsight, I will tell you that the anticipation, the planning, and the thinking about a binge was far more enjoyable than the subpar food that I would binge on. I got more from planning to binge or looking forward to a binge or giving myself permission to binge than I did from the food. I think because it was the height of the distraction. Because as soon as I started putting food into my mouth, there was guilt. But there wasn't guilt with the decision to binge. There was just excitement and enthusiasm. And it was this pure state of need 
and it was heightened and it was like nothing else existed except planning that binge, how quickly I could get to the food, what food I would have. It was like pure permission, pure permission in a life where I felt out of control most of the times and I had 100% control over my binge, right? <laughs> Always. And it, it, just thinking about that is, um, is interesting, right? Now, the big part of planning a binge, in addition to what food I would get and where I would get it, was the logistics related to making sure I could be alone. Because I would never binge in front of another person. Never. If anything, I would severely food restrict in front of other people. I didn't want anybody to see me having a cupcake, never mind a pint of ice cream and a large pizza and a bag of pretzels and then a chocolate bar, right? I wouldn't let anybody see me with the food I was carrying, right? So whether it was carry-out bags or grocery bags, I would hide it in my car until no one was looking, or I'd put it in my work bag or a backpack, or I'd stuff things in my purse. I was always hiding. Now, once I had the food in my possession, though, I couldn't wait. I had to tear into it sometimes as I was walking out of the grocery store. Didn't even wait till I got to the car. And the only way that I can describe this is there was this urgency. Even if I wanted to wait, and I did because I knew that I wasn't really tasting the food when I was shoveling it into my mouth sitting at a stoplight, but the urgency was so intense it really was a drug-like state. And like I said, though, I've never used things like cocaine or heroin. It was, I can only imagine that the urgency must be like that. Having to have it now. Not being able to wait. Having no control. It wasn't like I decided to eat the cookies as I walked out of the grocery store. I didn't have a choice. I had to have it now. And looking back, it's a little sad that food had that much control over me for so long, for so much of my life. Picking the food for the binge was also a very complex process, and it makes fear of missing out look like a joke compared to the fear and anxiety that I had related to wanting to make sure that I didn't like waste a binge, right? Because I did not want to be dissatisfied. What a waste it would be to say, get like tortilla chips and Hershey Kisses and Cheez-Its and then eat them to the point of feeling sick only to realize that what I really wanted was ice cream or s'mores and then physically not be able to eat anymore and not have given myself permission to binge again tomorrow. So one of my binging cardinal rules was to have options. It would not be unusual for me to spend 40 or $50 on a single binge. More than that, if I was getting restaurant takeout in addition to my grocery haul, ice cream, chocolate, sweet, but not creamy or chocolatey, like maybe oatmeal raisin cookies, salty crunchy. And that was the minimum. Sometimes, many times, I would buy a whole box of graham crackers, a whole bag of marshmallows, and several chocolate bars just so that s'mores made in the microwave or made with a lighter could be one element of a binge. And I threw away so much food because I'd get sick or feel sick 
long before all the food was gone and I didn't want it around for the next day. And I would just, I would have to throw it away. It was pretty typical for a binge to include Mexican takeout with chips and queso, the entree usually being a chicken chimichanga. That was one of my choice items. A pint of ice cream, a bag of cookies, and a large, like, king-size milk chocolate bar. Now, hiding what I couldn't eat, what was left over, was another challenge because I wasn't just going to, like, walk into the kitchen and throw it away or walk into the break room at work and throw it away because somebody might see it. And that was not an option. So I would sometimes take take it to the outside trash and bury it under bags of trash or put it in my car and pull over on the side of the road when I saw a dumpster to throw it in there. And there was what happened when I felt so physically sick that I couldn't stand it, right? After a binge, when I just physically could not eat anymore. Sometimes I was just so exhausted that I would go to sleep. Completely disgusted with myself, I would just go to sleep. Other times, I would force myself to throw up. Other times, I would throw up without making myself throw up just because I was so physically sick. Other times, I would take a bunch of laxatives at the start of a binge. And though it hurts to think about those things, I also want you to understand that there is always hope. And if no one else in your under, in your life understands, and if you think I'm the only crazy person that does those things, you're not. I understand. I mean, just to keep it like really real, even as a kid, you know, my mom wouldn't keep junk food in the house. So if I wanted to binge as a little kid, I would like mix butter and sugar in a bowl and just eat it because there was always butter and there was always sugar. Um, I, I mean, anything would go when I didn't have the ability to go to a grocery store like I did as a college student or as an adult. And, I, you know, these next couple of things I want to share with you is just because you. there are people I know, I know without a shadow of a doubt that there are people listening going, Pfft, That's mild compared to what I do. But I remember very specifically binging on ice cream sandwiches, but not eating the entire box of them and then not wanting to eat the rest of them later when I didn't feel so sick. So I threw them in the outside trash can in the summer. And several hours later, I went back out to the outside trash can and ate them melted from the trash. Many times. I put things in the kitchen trash can and then ate them later, even sometimes after having poured water on whatever it was. I've eaten an entire large pizza by myself on more than one occasion and followed it up with a pint of ice cream. And on more than one occasion, I've eaten a half gallon of ice cream all by myself, all by myself. I mean, I was nearly 350 pounds, right? This is what made... I'll start tomorrow a lie because it never it never was the case that I woke up the following morning and was like super jazzed and motivated to eat really clean and take care of myself because I felt disgusted the next morning, completely disgusted with myself. And my blood sugar was so freaking wrecked that despite stuffing myself stupid and being full for hours and hours and hours, as soon as that passed, Hunger was on high alert because my blood sugar did not know what bomb had gone off in my system. 
right? So hunger and cravings were a real challenge. Plus that whole feeling disgusted with myself and feeling more hopeless, that is never a mindset that encourages healthy choices. Even before the next morning, as soon as that last bite of food was chewed and swallowed, I felt worse than I did before the binge. All of the problems were still there, but now they were actually worse. Now there was something even more significant that I wanted to escape from because I had added this disgusting binge on top of it. If you've ever binged, you know that it is a self-defeating process. And here's what I know now that I didn't realize then. What you do today, you are more likely to do tomorrow. And we can use that to our advantage or to our disadvantage. If I binge today, I tell myself that I'll be more likely to binge tomorrow. If on the other hand, I don't binge today, I'm making it easier to not binge tomorrow. And always, I've wanted to make my life easier, not harder. And that was actually one of my most helpful strategies, just for today. I didn't tell myself that I couldn't binge or I couldn't have chocolate chip Teddy Grahams, another common binge food. Instead, I repeated the mantra over and over and over, just for today. Just for this one day, I am going to make good choices. If I have the urge to binge tomorrow, I will think about that then. But I can do one day. I have that in me, one day. The other thing that really helped me was switching my focus. And this is powerful because it was always very easy to talk myself into a binge when I was focusing on the foods that I would sneak and enjoy. Super easy. I was focusing on what I really wanted in that moment, in that moment, instead of the lie of I'll start tomorrow. Instead, I changed my focus from like, oh yeah, chocolate chip Teddy Grahams sound amazing. Chicken chimichanga sounds awesome. It's always going to be the choice you make when that is your focus. But instead, I switched my focus to how will that make me feel? And how do I want to feel? The three questions that I trained myself to ask, and I trained myself just through repetition and practice, doing it again and again and again and again, regardless of the outcome. Number one, how do I want to feel in an hour? Or how do I want to feel when I'm laying in bed tonight? How will binging make me feel? Given that, is it worth it? See, when deciding to binge, I never was focused on how physically sick and disgusted I would feel afterwards, but I always felt physically sick and disgusted afterwards. That was never like not clear. If somebody could ask me, how do you feel after you binge? Never would I have said, I don't know, or great. No, I always felt disgusting, and that was a very, very strong sense of disgust. I never woke up the morning after a binge and thought, that was awesome, that was good stuff. 100% of the time I regretted it. It was a certainty, not an educated guess, that I would regret it that night and the next morning and always. The other thing that was 100% certain was that I would never regret not binging, ever. I have never woke up and thought, I really wish I had binged last night. 
Never. So training myself to think, to tap into those painful sensations of being physically disgusted and stuffed, training myself to ask the question, how will I feel after I swallow that last bite? And is that how I want to feel today? Right? I hate that feeling. I hate the physical fullness and the immediate regret. So I bring my attention to that time after time because I want to avoid that. And as humans, we are far more likely to make a decision to avoid pain than we are to make a decision that will bring us pleasure. We are hardwired as part of our survival mechanism. And I talk about this in a lot of detail in my Breaking Barriers course, because this is obviously a major barrier, which by the way, Hillary Clinton stole my line. Like the whole breakdown barriers, I'm pretty sure she got that from Primal Potential. Like I don't have that on solid authority, but I mean, if I had to guess, I would just say that I think I think Hillary's using my lines. But anyway, I had to bring myself back to avoiding pain because it wasn't, I couldn't change my attention to seeking pleasure in the sense that, oh, Elizabeth, you really want to be fit and lean. That wasn't even like attainable to me at that point in time. I didn't even understand it. But what I did understand was avoiding that pain, the physical and emotional pain that came as a result of a binge, right? So I would bring my attention to that. And that takes practice, right? Asking myself those questions, forgetting to ask sometimes, and then asking them again the next time. It gets easier. It is possible. And so are you. And at the risk of being tremendously cheesy, I want to share with you a song that has helped me, or lyrics of the song, since I can't play it without paying like $700 million, which isn't going to happen. Lyrics of a song that help me when I feel either disappointed or frustrated or hopeless. And I, I shared it on Facebook the other day and it really resonated with a lot of people. And I think I've even emailed it out once before. But I want I want to share just a couple of the lyrics from this song. It says, they're inside your head. You've got a voice that says, you won't get past this one. You won't win your freedom. It's like a constant war and you want to settle the score, but you're bruised and beaten and you feel defeated. To everyone who's hit their limit, it's not over yet. And even when you think you're finished, it's not over yet. Keep on fighting out of the dark, into the light. The song is called It's Not Over Yet, and it's by King and Country. And, I, you know, obviously I started to get emotional and I was reading that because I understand if you don't believe you can overpower it, just do one day. Just one day. I had a gentleman who emailed me not long ago and he was in the daily habit of chewing food and spitting it out, which I've absolutely done myself on more than one occasion. And he had been doing it for a very, very long time. And I said to him, can you just for one day, just challenge yourself for one day, I'm going to not do this, right? 
I am going to swallow all of my food, and if I don't want to swallow it, I'm not going to put it in my mouth to begin with. Can you do one day? And he did one day. And the hope in that email that he sent me afterwards, having done something that he didn't think he could do, you know, he didn't say, oh man, I have to never do this again. You don't have to approach it that way. You can do one day. So I really just want to tell you, if you feel defeated, it's not over yet. Your story is still going on and you can change it. And it doesn't have to be this like hallelujah, angel singing moment. Just one day. For one day, you can take care of your choices. You can direct your decisions for one day. And if you need help or you need support, please email me. Now, I am not a medical doctor and I am not a licensed professional with eating disorders. But if you need more help than I feel like I can give to you, I will absolutely point you in the direction of trained professionals who maybe can give you a hand up. So though this feels like an incredibly awkward transition, <laughs> let me share what I ate yesterday. <laughs> oh, there's no, there's no like seamless way to make that transition. For new listeners, I do this at the end of every single show and people really like it. So sorry if it seems like a terribly awkward transition, because it was. It's not just you, it's me. Um, so I ate before my workout yesterday, which you guys know I don't usually do, but uh, as I shared in one of the last episodes, my, my, my body has felt a little bit under-fueled uh, for the past couple days. I think it's a sleep thing. So I ate before my workout. I made my typical breakfast salad bowl and had half of it. So that's raw cabbage, eggs, bacon, avocado, ate half of it. Several hours after my workout, I ate the other half. Then I had... Um, a small piece of 85% dark chocolate. And then dinner was Brussels sprouts sauteed with olive oil. And then I was going to make salmon cakes, but I decided I didn't have <laughs> the motivation to do so. So I took a can of salmon and added some olive oil to it and just mashed it up and ate that just like that. And it was delicious. So anyway, I don't know how you guys are going to receive this episode. It felt right for me. I hope you find it helpful. And I'll talk to you guys soon. Have a great day. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Primal Potential Podcast, where my goal is not to inform you, but to transform you. And if you would like to receive free motivation and strategy and recipes, workouts, meal ideas every week right to your inbox, just text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222 or go to primalpotential.com slash join. It's a great way to get the tools, the strategies, and the practical implementation assistance that you need to create your own transformation between podcast episodes. Just text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222 or go to primalpotential.com slash join. See you there. big money on your outdoor project now at menards we have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat right now all fvp lawn and garden and marine batteries are on sale through may 5th 
Check out our entire selection of FBP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save